Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics, and ending the stigma through educational discussions. Today we have Santino Martinez, brand ambassador with Design Kush, the creators of the Last Prisoner Project campaign, offering web designs and digital marketing tools to help cannabis businesses connect with consumers and other businesses, tailoring strategies to help them scale. Santino has operated his own cultivations for more than eight years and worked with the skilled group of Tai Chi Brothers from 2018 to 2020. As an independent hip-hop artist, Santino has performed for over 35 national headlining artists and played multiple sold-out events, arranging sponsorships and networking with companies in fashion and music. He currently works with the artist collective Lion League Music. Santino is an example of a young entrepreneur that has used his knowledge and skills to find his position in the cannabis industry. I want to welcome you today to The Vine. Thank you for joining us, Santino. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to talk cannabis and, uh, you know, get to get to know you ladies better as well. So welcome. We'd like to start by getting to know more about you and wondering if you can tell us how you were first introduced to cannabis and plant medicine and why it was important for you to become involved in the industry. Yeah. So, you know, my story is like a lot of other people's story. Um, as far as the the use side, but it might be a little bit unique uh, in in that um, you know I, I came in it young, so my uncle has always been growing cannabis. He's uh, my grandmother's brother-in-law. Uh, every time we would go over there, we'd smell the flowers, you know, and see them hanging around, and be wondering and asking questions about what that was. Uh, and then my aunt uh, Raquel. She had leukemia, and so she was using cannabis to heal. And so, as a you know, as a little kid, I was seeing the medicinal value, uh, but then I was also seeing you know that recreational side, that um, you know, use it to to have fun uh, side as well. Uh, as I grew up, you know, I was doing as a young kids do, you know, <laughs> trying it, you know, listening to rebel music and you know, lighting my spliff, um, and so. You know, that kind of got me more into the, you know, consumption culture side, listening to music and using it to be creative and to, you know, just be a kid. Uh, and then I took it more seriously as I got older, um, wanted to step into more of the cultivation side, um, hanging out with friends, being involved in the legacy market, um, which was really all that there was that <laughs> back mm-hmm. then. Um, and yeah, just really learning the tricks of the trade. Uh, learning cultivation tricks, um, you know, learning about the plant, learning about concentrates, learning about, you know, the science, what's what's happening, the news. Um, and so I just, I fell in love with cannabis. I fell in love with how it helps people. Um, and I wanted to start to, you know, cultivate with that within myself and, you know, in my communities and, and help this industry grow. So I decided to, you know, get involved with it. That's what you got to do. <laughs> you just, you got to get involved with it if you want to, if you want to be a part of it. So tell us a little bit more about your cultivation experience. Now you mentioned that this was in your family already. Did that, did you actually get like taught by your family? Was it passed down or did you have to kind of find other people within the industry to kind of look after, to learn, you know, how to do this? Yeah. So, you know, I have a big family. I'm lucky to have a big family. Um, some do 
different kinds of things in weed, you know, so <laughs> whether they're just smoking it or they're growing it. So I didn't have too much cultivation help from my family. Um, I had seen it cultivated from members of my family, but never really got help. So all of the help that I got in cultivation, I had to learn myself through, you know, first throwing plants out. I remember I had thrown out uh, a couple of seeds into my mom's garden one year under her roseberry bush or raspberry bush, excuse me. <laughs> and, um, you know, had some little plants pop up mm-hmm. and, you know, they started to get their little stink and you could tell what they were. And I had to pull them out cause I got scared that, you know, I was going to get found out. Uh, but that was one of my first experiences growing and, um, you know, learning, learning about how, you know, the plants need different types of light and like different types of soil and, um, you know, those tricks, yeah, definitely had to come from, um, experience and buddies of mine who were also working in the industry or working in the legacy market and, and old guys from, you know, the town of San Luis where my grandparents are from, who are like super experienced growers, but are hiding away in hovels <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, we, we still have that kind of culture here as well in Colorado, which is awesome. I was really curious, like, are you, are you do indoor or outdoor cultivation? So I like to cultivate um, indoor, outdoor. Um, however, right, I started off in tents. Uh, I was moving from the tent, uh, you know, into the outdoor space. So we went, basically made a hard jump. I, I had started off in 10 small plants, maybe six plants tops. And then um, you know, from there was throwing out like darn near a, a thousand plants in an wow. in acre, yeah, in a in an acre lot, um, and really trying to you know figure out what worked in my area. Right, we were searching phenos for um, for plants that really liked it in eight thousand feet of elevation and that mm-hmm. can survive in cold weather out here in Colorado. Um, cold nights and things like that, you know, sometimes it can drop 30 degrees uh, in the night times. Um, So, you know, that was the, the first time that I tried that out, but I like outdoor cultivation. Um, It's my favorite full sun. I love um, the soil. Um, I'm a big fan of, you know, no-till and, you know, regenerative practices when it comes to soil. Um, I think that's the, the wave in the future. They say we're losing uh, losing topsoil every year, and that's no good. We already saw what happened during the Dust Bowls, and you know we we don't want to go back and regress to a time where we can't provide food for people because our soil <laughs> is is trash. So, you know, taking those practices into um, into consideration. That's that's why I like soil. Mm-hmm. So you're, I'm actually reading a book about the the Dust Bowl and. Um, that time in our history. And so what is it that we have to do to the land to make it so that we're not losing that topsoil? Yeah, I think we can't be pumping the soil, right, with just ammonia and hard fertilizer to make it uh, viable, right? We have to think about how to restore the soils and put life back into them. So we're like the, the ecosystem inside of your soil is um, one that promotes life, right? And we need to be putting cover crops, uh, switching up the different kind of crops that we use um, through the seasons, um, not overplant one thing that you're, you know, some of those old practices that we use in the agrarian life need to come back that we lose with industrial, like 
the large scale industrial practices of farming. And I think that we're on that kind of track, right? We see kind of the downfalls of having, you know, ag- macro agriculture. Um, and I think that now we're kind of getting that sense of mind back to put things back into the earth, not just suck all that we can out of the earth to like make big fruit and big stuff. <laughs> we, we have to be thinking about putting back in instead of just taking out. I think that's a great explanation because I really, I didn't know. And it is so important to the story as we began to plant more and more cannabis, right? Um, Especially for the outdoor grows. Um, So you have such an amazing story, you know, your lineage growing up on a farm in a multi-generational home uh, with your conservative grandparents. um, So you talk about the sort of the the growing still that's um, uh, under the radar, if you will. So I'm I'm curious about that and how it's going with people who are growing above the radar. And right. is there any chance that your grandparents might, you know, decide to grow cannabis on their land going forward? Yeah. So there's always that intergenerational link, right? We want to the young cats are out here moving um, and the old cats have been here for a long time and have so much of a wealth of knowledge and experience, right? So as we're moving and shaking and hustling and bustling, I think there needs to be that connect. We need to be listening to them. I think that my grandparents are definitely open to that. I've been in the process of teaching um, not just them, um, but also the other community members in like the town of San Luis, uh, about cannabis, educating them on the economics around cannabis, um, the agricultural practices, right? They're from a place that flood irrigates lands and has like really old school kinds of ways of, of farming. And so introducing them to the ways that, you know, it's not so harmful that cannabis is actually, it, it would probably help you out in conserving water, in conserving, uh, you know, land use. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little give and take. We have to teach uh, the older generations. The older generations have to teach the younger generations as well. Um, and so, yeah, my grandparents are definitely open to it. Our first farms were actually on their land. So that was, yeah, it's, they, they've come a long way. <laughs> is it cannabis or hemp that is the, the one that cleans the earth? So the cannabis plant is carbon fixing. So uh I don't believe that there's a difference between like the male and female plants when uh, I think they both have that exchange, that carbon exchange. And so, yeah, I think that, um, you know, as more people start to plant cannabis too, they're going to see the benefits in their soils. uh, And, you know, if they use that as a cover crop, maybe using hemp as a cover crop in between, you know, your, your kind of carbon sapping um, plants and stuff. Um, that I, I see that being a, a future trend as well. That's cool. Yeah. As far as the practices down there, there's old, there's already farmers who have been there who are in the professional space also. So the industry there, um, there's only a couple of uh, dispensaries in that little town, oldest town in Colorado, population of like a couple thousand. Right? Wow. Um, there's yeah, there's. One guy, Lenny, and he's awesome. He's been in that town forever. He's part of the community. He's, uh, you know, organized in the community. He owns uh, a dispensary there and in the surrounding areas. And he is very much involved in what our community is 
um, saying uh, what we need, right? What the kids in that community in town need, um, lack, lack of job, lack of opportunity, drug addiction, overdoses, things like that. Like those things are very present to, to the uh, professional community in that town. So that's one thing also that I see that's not really the same in places like Denver. Um, larger market, I feel like the largest corporations and like the big weed here is not so concerned with what happens in like in the communities that they occupy. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a lesson that we can learn from our small towns <laughs> is that, you know, they, they care and they listen. And, you know, that's why the people like going to their local pot shops in, you know, in them small towns is because, well, they're, they're listening and they're giving back. And could it be that they trust the, folks in their own community, maybe more than, you know, some big multi-state operator. You know, I, you know, visited Colorado. It's such a beautiful place. And I've been to the city there. And, you know, I, it, you know, when you're in the city amongst all of kind of the lifestyle around cannabis, um, it can feel like it's, oh, everybody must enjoy it. But as a state, isn't Colorado pretty conservative otherwise? And I'm curious, with some of that conservatives that maybe the misconception is that, you know, everybody that lives in the state is just all for the adult use legal market and everything. I'm curious, you know, especially in having these conversations with your conservative grandparents, you know, how's that like? Because we could tell you on the East Coast, we're still struggling over here. So I'm curious what it's like in uh, Colorado. Right. I think, yeah, right. Um, we have even an NPR special or CPR special called Purplish, where it's dedicated to, you know, the the conservative side of Colorado meeting this new kind of um, liberal aspect in the in the young kids and in the educated um, kids in, uh, in, in here in Colorado. So when we talk about weed, we have to talk. Con we have to talk that conservative talk. Right. This is good in the tax line and the money line. This is good is a job creator. This is you know, gonna save money potentially down the road in healthcare costs. <laughs> in, you know, yeah, you, you have to start speaking these terms when you're talking to the lawmakers here. That's one thing that I find is different. Even when you're talking to people like my grandparents, right? They had this um, kind of, you know, antiquated thought about weed. They come from that era where people were going to prison all over. You know, the president was telling you that, you know, your brain was gonna fry. And <laughs> that you are basically a degenerate. So uh, they come from that area where you know the propaganda was you're a bad person if you smoke or if you know people who smoke. And you know, so now that we're trying to kill the stigma and rewrite the book on what cannabis is, you know, we have to break down those walls with them. And it just takes time, and it just takes like communicating the facts and communicating, you know. And also, like, not just the communication, but like living it too. So go out and try it. You know, go grab mm -hmm. some CBD. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's not get high, but let's feel better, right? Let's feel well, because I I'm a big believer that CBD will make you feel well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm a big smoker. Uh, you know, being in the industry for as long as I have and do it, I, and being in art, I love to partake, but I also love the feel good aspect of. You know, not not so much the psychoactive, but, you know, the CBNs, the CBGs, the CBD. Like, I, I'm a fan of that feeling. Um, so those are the ways that we can try to relate them. Uh, tell my grandparents, hey, have this cookie. Um, take this tincture. Um, put this in your coffee. So 
those are ways for sure. We can try to build that gap, bridge that gap. And just having more conversations and open conversations about it. And that's what we're trying to do with our podcast is just, you know, raise these types of conversations and get them to be more normalized so that you can talk about it. You know, in the state of PA, we're medical only here, but, you know, with um, Pennsylvania being a farming state, you know, the, the ability to talk to some farmers that could incorporate hemp into their their land and and just the benefits of what the growing the hemp plant could do throughout the rest of their year of cleaning the soil like we talked about i mean there's just so many benefits but really getting you know those to end those stigmas i mean that was that reef from madness is still existing today i mean we are yep. still feeling i mean people still can imagine if you close your eyes and you see that frying pan and that cracked <laughs> egg i mean this is this your brain, is your on, brain drugs, on drugs right we all saw it and we're all believing <laughs> and it's so it's like retraining our brains to to realize that that was the propaganda of the time and that we now know more because we've done more with the plant we now have the research to prove i mean a recent study had come out that said that a cannabis user is more likely to exercise so let's just think about that. Look it's that. like that whole lazy stoner mentality. We now have right. proof and white papers that that's not the case. You know, smoke a good sativa and try to sit down. Elizabeth and I are like, we like clean our house. We're like. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sipping the tea on that too. I thought I was the lazy stoner. Look at that. Come to find <laughs> out. Not so lazy. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and you had mentioned about, you know, being a part of like the arts and, and, you know, music scene and things like that. And I'm a, a music uh, promoter um, and lo- and music enthusiast. And I'm just like such an important part of my life. And I know that during this pandemic, it has just been such a difficult time and so hard on the entertainment industry. And so one, from like an artist perspective, I wanted to just chat with you about how did this lockdown, you know, maybe affect your creativity? Um, and then just also want, you know, to learn more about your experience as a hip hop artist. And if you can dive into that a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, the pandemic, uh, being in isolation will either stifle your creativity or like make you get more creative. So um, I think that me, I like that kind of pressure feeling, right? Cause instead of, you know, it makes diamonds for me, it doesn't make my, my pipes burst. So um, I was definitely, I got motivated. I started um, calling a lot of my creative friends, um, seeing how they were doing first and then saying, Hey, look, we need to start thinking about, different ways that we can still be creative in this time and space. Um, you know, whether it's virtual events that we need to start thinking of, um, doing more things that are, you know, on the creation side, as far as making content and making the videos, making, you know, in those times where you can't be out touching hands, you know, kissing baby, shaking hands, you have to be, you know, um, focusing on your craft or focusing on yourself. You know, I had a lot of uh, artistic friend, artistic friends as well who had, um, you know, really went uh, inside and went to go figure out who they were. And that's cool too. I, I, I really dig that. Um, as far as, you know, my history in music, I've been uh, performing in hip hop, you know, since uh, freshman year in college. Um, I have been a hip hop lover and fan my entire life. Uh, you know, I, I love it. I used to dance, um, do street art as well. So, you know, I was out late night doing bad things with my friends uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, being being a midnight marauder. And, and, and that was great. And I love I, I owe a lot 
I owe a lot to the culture and to the and to the music. It's taken me a lot of places. It's allowed me to meet a lot of people. Um, and you know, cannabis and hip hop go hand in hand. Cannabis and music go hand in hand. So. Sure do. They yeah. sure do. And you know, I think about how many just correlations like that, that, you know, in the music industry, you know, you support one another, you come together at these festivals and these events, and that's where, you know, everybody connects and really makes those relationships. And I felt that that was the same way in the cannabis space, you know, traveling to these conferences, you know, yes, we'd walk the expo floor, but, you know, attending those after parties was where the magic was happening, (laughs) right? You're getting a chance to talk to people behind the brands, get to know them, get to meet with them and really connect, but also get to enjoy some music and, you know, partake together. Share stories. Exactly. Uh, and with know, the pandemic, it's, it's like we stopped doing all of that. And, you know, I feel that maybe Clubhouse came to us at the right time because right. it showed up when the industry, <laughs> both music and entertainment and cannabis needed it most because so much of that was a gathering community that all of a sudden was just taken away. Um, yeah. And I think that's where we actually got connected was on Clubhouse. I think so. <laughs> it was. Yes, it's it is a blessing. I tell people that a lot. Like Clubhouse allowed, you know, the people who you know, were needing to express themselves and connect with other people. Right? It, it allowed us that we were tired of just the Zoom calls and the keep it business. Right? Our interactions for a long time during the pandemic had been kind of transactional, where it's just like, hey, look, we're trying to get a deal done. We're trying to get this or that done. It's not so much. Um, you know, how are you? <laughs> How's life? Uh, what right. have you been experiencing? Those kinds of questions. It's, you know, it, it was more business. So I'm glad that Clubhouse came along and allowed us to talk about all kinds of funny stuff. <laughs> and we still fit some business in there too, you know, but we get oh, yeah. the fun, okay. but we get the fun too. Yes. Awesome. And that's, and that's how it should be, right? We need, we need the business and we need the fun. So yes. uh, hopefully once, you know, the pandemic starts to die down, people get well, um, you know, everyone's protected. We can go back out to these events uh, and, you know, we can we can have these good times again. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Design Kush and some of the things you've learned about marketing cannabis. We certainly um, know and have come across many issues. You cannot uh, advertise cannabis on social platforms. And, uh, you know, we've heard so many stories and especially through Clubhouse of people just literally having their accounts shut down. So, uh, you know, sort of a two-prong question. I know, right? So, so yeah, let's let's start by what Design Kush is, and then we'll talk, yeah, is that, you know, the troubles in our industry. Right. So Design Kush is a, a digital strategy agency um, through our website builder, Cushy. Um, we create websites. Uh, we're trying to fashion that kind of like a, dispensary in a box, you know, the Wix space for, for cannabis dispensaries and, and small companies and e- e-commerce, e-stores, that kind of thing. Um, the Design Coach Agency arm is more of the um, let's build your brand, right? Let's get you out there, get you seen, get you original content, uh, make sure that, you know, you, your web pages are aesthetically pleasing, um, that you're providing content that um, it's helpful to write to the searchers um, all over the internet <laughs> and in the world, right? And uh, and yeah, just you know, making that equate into door swings and to you know the the click uh, click through and and all those sorts of things, right? So um, build your brand up, get people seen, uh, seeing what you're about, and then you know hopefully they buy your stuff. 
we all know that it's difficult in cannabis <laughs> because yeah, like you say, you can't advertise. So one of the things that we want to do, a solution that we've tried to find for um, our industry partners is, you know, going to find the places that already exist where you can put your content, right? So going to places like uh, Pot Guide, uh, which if you didn't know, is one of the largest cannabis directories um, in you know, well in the planet. <laughs> they they probably have you listed on their site and you don't know it if you're a store, right? You they Weed Maps and other companies they use their uh, their directory. Um, to kind of fill in the holes in their own directories and things like that. So that's a resource a lot of people don't really necessarily think about, maybe because they don't know about it. Right. So I think that's another thing too. We as the industry have to be better about not just finding these solutions, then sharing them. Um, you know, I've I found uh, another great outlet, uh, the Artsy Leaf. Right. They just um, opened up not too uh, not too long ago they launched uh we had met them at the emerge conference uh the emerge canna conference that's another great place <laughs> yes you should go if you want to advertise as well right go find these conferences that are cool uh, like emerge right and they're like the um like the etsy um of of the cannabis space right so if you have a cannabis product like a grinder an ashtray uh, a smokable product like anything like that maybe art cannabis art right you don't know if where your outlet is. Well, there you go. There's an outlet right there. We have to be doing, like I say, a good job as a community, um, tethering these things. Right? We need to find a way to uh, get people access to these things. So that's what Design Kush is trying to do. That's the solution that we're trying to build for our industry. Is a way for you to advertise without actually having to put your ad dollars to Facebook, to Instagram to YouTube where you're not even allowed to be there. <laughs> no. And you, <laughs> you know? risk, I mean, there are some companies that are trying to do it and we've talked to several. We're just like nervous to make that sort of recommendation to a company knowing that it's completely fickle. Yeah. There'll be one company yeah. that'll post something <laughs> that won't get in trouble. And then another company posts a very similar type post and their page gets entirely taken down. And there doesn't seem right. to be any consistency as to where and how what accounts are being pulled down and when. And the fact that the entire country of Canada is legal and the Canadian Facebook pages are being taken down in the space as well. I mean, it's just a complete ban altogether on on, right. on cannabis. And I feel that they're missing out. And, you know, Facebook obviously wants to make money. So I'm going to be very curious to see as soon as federal legalization hits, what type of like band lifting and kind of special offers where, you know, every cannabis person be like, oh, you can advertise for $10 just to get your pod, you know, product out there, how it may change. Yeah, definitely. And and with things like that, too, I'm always skeptical. I say all these companies that didn't want to get down from the jump, we know who you are now. I think that the consumers and the culture, we should stop spending our money, our ad dollars there anyways, right? Um, let's go uplift some of our own in our own community who are doing this because they clearly haven't shown, you know, that they believe that our industry is legitimate. They haven't shown that, you know, they think it's going to last when it's the it's recession and pandemic proof <laughs> at this point. Um, You're right. They so, haven't been supportive. They have not been supportive right. of the industry at all. Right. So I understand they have all the market um, cat or all the market pool, right? They they eat it all up and all of the all of the opportunity that there is on Facebook and on YouTube and on you know these places that aren't really 
cannabis friendly. We understand it's there and those resources are necessary, but let's try to find some and raise some to that same level, or at least, you know, where it's functional in our space as well. And those are, those are kind of, you know, those are some problems we're trying to tackle every day. <laughs> and, you know, that's that whole digital strategy part, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out how can we make, uh, you know, synergies with these brands and, you know, elevate our, our, um, our brands inside of our, uh, kind of in our community. So, but it's and hard. I- it's difficult. It's difficult for us all, right? Oh, it certainly is. And it, it is definitely, you know, some growing pains for the industry to try to, you know, get into the mainstream and be able to have access to the same sorts of, you know, marketing tools that other brands have. And so, you know, I think that, you know, another important part is that we, you know, we can continue to talk. And I feel like sometimes the industry, you know, talks to itself very much, but forgets to talk to the consumer. And we need to make sure that we're informing and educating people and getting them involved in all of this. And a big way of doing that, I feel like, is raising awareness about why we need cannabis to no longer be federally illegal. And I think a good project is the Last Prisoner Project. And I know that Design Kush did some work on that. So I was just kind of curious, you know, how that partnership worked out because I love the work. This, to me, raising awareness like this helps people that may not understand why they should care, hopefully give a damn. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Steve D'Angelo, the D'Angelo brothers, right? The the whole organization at Last Prisoner Project, from the attorneys um, to the activists, um, to the prisoners who they help, right? Um, that's a pipeline of help that I haven't seen in this industry in a long time, and it's functional and it's amazing. Um, they run campaigns like, you know, write a letter to an inmate, um, donate to a person's, you know, uh, rehabilitation, um, donate to uh, causes and funds that they have, you, you know, and they have all these things linked in their website. Um, we thought it would be a great idea to help them, um, and to make sure that they have a platform to share that message that looks good, right. That catches those eyes that, you know, kind of portrays their image. Um, you know, it's, it, it really is all about not just what you're saying, but how, what you're saying looks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, we're always, we're always focusing on uh, both of those things at once. And, you know, with the Last Prisoner Project, it's not hard. You know, the, the work that they do speaks for itself. And, uh, with a lot of these organizations in the cannabis space, you know, there's, there's the shady ones out there. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of these people in this space do such good work. And, um, we, just, we just wanted to highlight that. Um, I helped them make a music video. Well, I made a music video um, to kind of highlight one of the prisoners uh, that they had helped. His name is Michael Thompson. He uh, was in Michigan. Um, And so I made a music video to try to address that and then, you know, to have fun and uh, tell people about what we do as well. So, you know, that's how I like to use like my art um, and kind of my platform and our platform through Design Kush to try to, you know, make a fun project and, and spread a message. That is so fantastic. I love that. And yeah, speaking of um, uh, Steve D'Angelo, I mean, I know that he stepped away from Harborside, I read, but the Harborside itself was in the news big time with the fact that they got this huge 
was oh, business right, loan. loan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is this just came out. So the San Francisco Business Times wrote just this week that um, this is this is a pretty big deal. This is a twelve million dollar business loan um, from an unnamed yeah. federally regulated bank, which would be the very first loan of its kind for a plan touching business. So yeah. the other big thing right. is you're talking about running these websites with e commerce. I mean we're talking about not being able to advertise. We can't even get CBD companies to safely be able to sell their products on their website. I mean, there are so many issues within this right. industry because of these, these, um, but being that Harborside got this, I just feel like it's a, yeah, it's some sort of win yeah. for us. It's a big one. Right. I feel like. Right. Even if, you know, it, it might gain even negative press, but I, I'm, I'm with you, right? It's those um, edgy sort of moves that we got to make in these spaces since, you know, it, we're put in that position um, circumstantially, right? Thanks to government for putting us in the gray market. And now we have to operate that way. And so don't get mad at us when we make it happen. Uh, and, and we're successful in our efforts <laughs> in that gray way. <laughs> and now you, you I know, think we also have to celebrate um, the bank. I mean, I don't know if they're sure. just withholding that name, but um, sure. you know, there's a bank here in Maryland that, that works with cannabis businesses um, that we actually bank with. And yeah, I'm all about celebrating those um, institutions, companies, corporations that are coming out and, and on the edge. Yeah, definitely. We have a few banks here as well in Colorado that are very cannabis friendly uh, and they're small. They're usually mm -hmm. the credit unions or those, you know, smaller local banks. Um, and, you know, you, you come to them with your, with your convictions in your business plan and they're, they're willing to work with you, which is great. And I would suggest, you know, if you haven't found one in your, in your town, go look at those smaller banks, go ask. Minds are changing, you know, as we're having these conversations here, mm -hmm. you know, the, the financial world is taking, taking notice and they might be moving slow, but they're moving. So. Yeah. And you can't, and this, this, um, uh, pertains to not just, you know, plant touching businesses, you know, Elizabeth and I, we don't sell any any plant medicines, you know, we're, we're just, we're talking about the plants. We're helping them with their marketing, some of the businesses, but I mean, we had just as difficult of a time as anyone else, because when you visit our website, it clearly says that we're working with cannabis and psychedelics. So, I mean, it's right out there. Um, so we, we're really, we're all about finding those local banks. And, and as you know, we see more and more of this come up, you know, just being, like you said, within the industry, sharing this knowledge with one another and just making sure that people know, because I mean, I've been in a bunch of different threads where someone got kicked off of their bank account for no reason, even after they were already on. And I certainly know that I have to keep my events business separate from PMP because if I were I worked with a CBD company and got flagged with my bank locally I'm like whoa okay I won't I won't touch it anymore I'll start another right. company that'll make sure yeah. that we can work have and a do shell. business yes yes <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah the the hoops that we have to jump through this is why I say anybody who works in cannabis is ready to be working in any industry go ahead take it over <laughs> your boss you work in this industry you're you're set to take over the world you're good. <laughs> It's true. And really being able to be flexible and realizing that this is an emerging industry and it's changing. And, you know, there's always so many different rules and regulations that are like on the move. And so keeping track of what we're going to be able to do to, you know, compliantly advertise to, you know, hopefully move into an entertainment uh, market where we could have consumption events and we can do different yeah. things. I'm really interested in seeing how we could safely do that in the future. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we, we, get your information for your music so that everyone that's listening will be able to find you. So how will people find you if they want to listen to your tunes? You're going to have to 
search the most ridiculous name that you've ever heard, Dr. Spastastic, <laughs> right? Uh, Dr. Um, S P A Z T Z T K. Uh, I'm on uh, all of the major DSPs, the um, listening platforms. Um, and yeah, you can find me wherever music is. That's where I'm at. And then um, I'm looking at the lionleaguemusic.com. Yes. As yes. well, so the label will have everything com. listed. Okay. It sure will. We all have music links on, on the page. Um, we've been focused on other other things. Uh, our label head, Joey, uh, he's been making movies and things out in L.A., so he, uh, you know, he's he's enjoying that part of his life right now, and you know, enjoying film. And so we we're trying to develop that uh, at the same time that we're developing Lion League and things. So yeah, look out look out for all of the the fun things we have in the works here coming in the future. Um, and then for anybody who is you know um, hoping that there's going to be a consumption space. Uh, me and my boys are building one here in Colorado. Uh, we're still figuring out the laws, but <laughs> we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to make a, a beautiful space for artists and for, you know, um, consumers and, and for patients and, and people who just love to play in music. So uh, look, out. look out. And I will definitely be on a plane to come visit you when that opens because I yeah, love me oh, too. Uh, Colorado. Yeah. So we will, we yes. will be out there for that for sure. Yes, but as like some it. parting words before we go, because we just really enjoyed talking with you. I mean, you, you're so multifaceted. You, you do so much <laughs> that I think that, you know, for maybe any of our listeners that are really trying to get into the industry or figuring out like, how could I fit into this landscape of cannabis? What sort of mm -hmm. advice could maybe you give? our listeners. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, keep an open mind. It doesn't have to be plant touching, right? Um, everyone on this call right here exists in an ancillary space uh, in cannabis. Right. Um, you know, uh, educate yourself um, and be humble and be patient. This this industry requires patience. Like you longevity is what you're in it for. This isn't come get rich quick, unless you got the money for it. <laughs> but, but yeah, definitely patience, I would say. Humble and patient. That's just, I oh. think, what we should take for life, right? Not just in Canada, yeah, right. just to be a good person. <laughs> and and that, that's so great. So thank you again so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to meet you. And we are certainly going to continue to cross paths. We know Emerge has another event upcoming. There's going to be some yes, additional five days away. events <laughs> coming up. So let's just keep in touch. Um, and for all of our listeners, we'll ensure that all of the links are on our website for you to be able to connect with Santino and everything he has going on. So thank you again so much. All right. Thank you, Gina. Thank you, Elizabeth. Absolutely. This has been great. Yes, divine listeners. Y'all have a great evening, morning, whatever, whatever's happening in, around your way. I hope it's going great. <laughs> yes. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of The Vine, a plant media project podcast featuring Santino Martinez from Design Kush. For cannabis and psychedelic news, please visit us online at plantmediaproject.com. Mm -hmm.